We are glad that you are here with us, the few that are here in the room this morning. And uh, here's, I want to do a couple of things right out of the gate, just so you kind of know what's going on, what to expect. Um, grown-ups, first of all, I didn't grab my notes, but if you didn't pick up, there's a packet of uh, sermon notes for kids. Kids need a little help. Uh, I don't want to say being distracted this morning, but help engaging with all their senses. We've got little sermon packets where they can doodle and draw notes and that sort of thing. So if you didn't get those, they're outside. Uh, you're f- feel free to step out and get those. Or if you are uh, an adult here without little ones and you want to serve the families around you, go grab a pack of those and give them to those families. That would be, that would be helpful, all right? Um, so we have those, and then I think Zach hinted at it. I was late walking in, but this morning is going to be a little bit different of a format. Um, so instead of me talking for 30-ish, closer to 40 minutes straight, uh, we're going to try and break that up into some smaller chunks. We're going to try and uh, harness those shorter attention spans this morning, all right? Because we want kids to be involved in what we're doing here. And so uh, we're going to try and harness a little shorter attention spans. Uh, and then, so I'll, I'll talk for a few minutes. Uh, then the band, as you can see, they're still here. They're going to stand up. They're going to lead us in singing. And that'll give uh, the little ones a chance to maybe get some of their wiggles out. And then we'll sit down and then we'll repeat it again. All right. So uh, that's what we'll do. And then one more thing, and then we'll jump in. Um, here's what I know. Anytime our, our kids, especially the really young ones are in the room with us, we feel like that pressure, maybe this is just my kids, feel that pressure that, uh, to keep them quiet and still and, and all that. And, and maybe you feel the weight of that this morning if you've got little ones in the room. Uh, or maybe you're here and you're just easily distracted by little ones that are moving and wiggling and crying and laughing and all that. Um, here's what I would just say to you is my hope and my prayer is that as long as Valley Creek exists, that we always have some wiggling and some fussing and some crying and, and all those things among us or, or close to us, whether it's in this room or it's in those rooms in the hall. Uh, because, man, that's who we're passing the baton to, right? And the day that, that we don't have the little ones among us, is, is, it's just a short time until the church no longer exists, right? And so for all of their energy and their wiggles and their squiggles and their fussing and their crying and all that, uh, it is a tangible reminder to all of us as the people of God that, uh, that Jesus Christ is still building his church from one generation to the next, right? And that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So anyways, all that said, all right, now we're ready to, to jump in. So if you have your Bibles, uh, John chapter 6 is where we're going to start this morning. And um, like I said, we're going to kind of look at this in three chunks uh, for the last month or so, we've been looking at uh, our Fear Not series, and we've just been talking about these different uh, encounters from, from angels, right? They dropped in in the, the events surrounding Jesus' birth, uh, and they came with an announcement. Uh, and, and even though those were uh, different announcements, in, in a sense, to different people, they, they all uh, were around the events that leading up to the birth of Jesus, leading up to the birth of the Messiah. Uh, and even though those announcements were made to different people in different circumstances, uh, there was one common thread in all those announcements, whether it was to Zechariah, to Mary, uh, to Joseph. Uh, on Friday night, if you were here, we talked about the announcement to the shepherds. All those announcements, um, for, for all the kind of differences, there's one thread that runs through them all, uh, and that's do not be afraid. Uh, fear not. Right? Do not 
fear. That was the, the consistent uh, theme in all those announcements, right? That, that this is good news. This announcement the angels brought was good news. And that good news drives out great fear. All right, so uh, we're going to continue that theme a little bit this morning. Uh, but it's the day after Christmas, right? It's kind of a weird day a little bit. Um, I'll talk more about it later, but I remember this day very well as a, as a kid. Um, but all, all like the last few weeks, we've been talking about leading up to Christmas and celebrating the birth of Jesus. But now it's the day after Christmas. So it's like, what do we do with all this now? Right? We're, we're, the celebration is for, for most of us is behind us. Uh, all these announcements we've talked about, like that's, that's an event in the past now. So, so now what do we do? And so to answer that question, we're going to look at uh, kind of three things that John says in, in some of his writings um, to us this morning. And so I'm going to jump in and read. This is in John chapter 6, starting in verse, we're going to start in verse 16. All right, here's what John writes. He says, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, and they got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, I, that feels like a long way to row to me. I don't know, but it feels like it should be. Uh, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. And then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. All right, so um, one of the themes, I think we talked about this in our first John series, but one of the themes that John talks about a lot is, is light and darkness. Right? You read it in his gospel, you read it in his letters, you read it, you even see it in Revelation, but, but you've got these themes of light versus darkness. And so light is kind of this, uh, it, it signifies or is symbolic of uh, the presence of Jesus, and then darkness is, is symbolic of or, or, or signifies sort of the absence of Jesus. And so you see that here in this story, right? It says that um, in verse 17, they, they got into the boat and they were going across the sea and it was now dark and Jesus had not come to them yet, right? So you've got darkness that's, that's there because Jesus is, is not there. I mean, it was literally dark, but there's also some symbolism there, right? Jesus was not yet with them, and so there was darkness. And uh, they're, they're on their own, right, in, in the boat, going across the sea. Jesus is not with them, and the storm begins to rage, and the winds begin to howl, and the, uh, the water is, is becoming rough, right? And there's, it seems like all of uh, the elements are against them, and they're fighting, and they're struggling, and they're rowing for three or four miles, but they're not getting to where they want to go, right? Now, um, it, it, what we see, though, is it's not until Jesus shows up that, that things begin to change, right? So it says that, that Jesus walks on the sea to them, but it wasn't until Jesus was present with them that their fears were alleviated. It wasn't until Jesus was present with them that uh, there was a sense of calm and, and comfort and gladness that came on them. It wasn't until Jesus was present with them that they actually got to where they were trying to go, right? And so I think um, 
just to kind of apply that a little bit, one, I believe that these are literal events. Like this actually happened. The disciples were really in a boat. They were really trying to get across the sea and Jesus really walked to them on water. Like I believe that happened. But I also think there's some, some symbolism here. Right? And what I mean by that is it's, uh, it, it's only in the presence of Jesus that our fears are, are truly relieved. Right? That's what, what the hymn says, amazing grace. Like grace, our, our fears relieved. It's only in the presence of of Jesus that, that our, our deepest fears are actually relieved like it was for the disciples. Right? It's only in the presence of, of Jesus that we experience calm and comfort and, and deep joy and gladness. Right? That only comes in the presence of Jesus. We may try to find that stuff in other places, but the only place where it, where it really takes root in our lives is when we're in the presence of Jesus. Right? And uh, that's the case for disciples. I think that's the case for us. Right? But it's also, uh, it's only in the presence of Jesus that we, we make any sort of meaningful uh, headway or, or progress in life. Just as disciples didn't really get to where they were trying to go until Jesus showed up, right? we can, we can kind of go our own path and do our own thing and try to get to where we think we want to go. But the reality is until Jesus shows up, until, it's in, until we're in the presence of Jesus, like we never really make any meaningful progress. I'm not saying we don't make progress, but is the progress we make really the progress we want to make? Right? It's only in the presence of Jesus that we, we make progress. And, and the good news for us this morning, right? this is the point number one, is that fear not because Jesus has come. Right? Jesus has come. We just celebrated his birth yesterday and in the, the weeks leading up to that. Uh, and, and though that's a past event, it's still good news because Jesus has come. He has given us his presence, right? So we don't, we don't have to fear because Jesus has come, right? So I said this morning is going to be different. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to press pause here. You guys are going to stand with me. The band's going to lead us and we're going to sing about Jesus' presence, Jesus' coming. And I'm going to jump back up here and we'll move on to the next point. We've talked about we don't have to fear because Jesus has come. Right? But the next question I want to present to you is what about when Jesus leaves? Right? What, about, what about when Jesus says, I'm no longer going to be with you? Because that's kind of where we find ourselves in our next chunk of Scripture. So if you will, turn over a couple, a few chapters to John 14. Uh, we're going to jump in there here in just a minute. But to kind of set the scene a little bit, to explain the setting, uh, this is taking place uh, kind of leading up to the events where Jesus is going to be uh, betrayed and arrested and crucified for uh, the sins of the world. And so he's gathered his disciples around him. Uh, and this is, this is part of what uh, scholars and theologians and people that are smarter than me call the upper room discourse, which is basically him uh, talking about uh, what's going to happen and what it means for, for his disciples uh, as they continue on in the ministry that he's laid out before them. And so, um, what's up, dude? <laughs> hey, this is part of the excitement of having kids in the room, all right? Um, it's all good. It's all good. I told you, this is life that the church is growing and going forward. It's awesome, okay? I'm cool with it. So anyways, uh, this is part of the upper room discourse. And so Jesus is laying out to his disciples what is going to happen in the days and weeks and stuff to come. And, and so he, he brings them together. And uh, this, is, 
This is what he says in this time of sort of encouragement and challenge and instruction. Uh, chapter 14, starting in verse 25. This is what Jesus says to his disciples as recorded by John. He says, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. All right, so here's second takeaway this morning, right? The first one was fear not, Jesus has come. The second one is, is fear not, the Spirit has come. All right, that's what Jesus is doing here in, uh, here in this passage, right? He says that, that hey, the, the day is coming where I am no longer going to be with you. Right, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be crucified. And even though the disciples had problems kind of wrapping their heads around exactly what that meant, uh, the point was still the same. Jesus was making it clear to them, I am leaving. But although I am leaving, I am not leaving you alone. I may not be physically present with you, but I will still be present with you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Right, just as, uh, that's, what, that's what Jesus says. He said that, that the Father... I was going to send the Holy Spirit in, in his name. Right? Which is to say that just as God had sent Jesus as sort of his, his representative of himself uh, in, in the physical form to this earth, God was also sending the Holy Spirit to the disciples so that as they continued on to, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, it was still, it was still the, the, the presence of God dwelling uh, not in a person in the form of Jesus with them, but actually dwelling inside them, leading and guiding, and directing. The Holy Spirit is not some like second-tier substitution. It wasn't like, all right, well, if we can't have Jesus, we'll just have the Holy Spirit instead. No, this is sent by God to his disciples. The Holy Spirit is not a substitute teacher. He's the real deal. And Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is being sent to you to lead you and guide you and help you and instruct you. And here's... What's kind of mind-blowing to me is the same spirit that Jesus told his disciples some 2,000 years ago that would, that would come and help them and lead them and comfort them and support them is the same spirit that you and I have access to this morning. But it's mind-blowing to me. And, and I don't know about you, but um, sometimes like when I read through the Bible and I read through these encounters of like Moses and how he would like have conversations with God. I'm like, what would that be like? To actually talk with the living God. And then you read through the, the accounts of the disciples and you're like, what would it have been like to walk with Jesus and to like see him do these things and hear him teach? And like, what would that actually be like? And, and I think those are fair questions. I think any of us that have really spent time in the Bible like probably ask those questions. But here's what I also think, is that, that Moses and the disciples would look at us and say, maybe not the disciples, because this is true of them too, but, but Moses, what would, I think they would look at us and say, what is it like to have the presence of God dwelling within you? Like leading you and guiding you every moment of every day. 
Right? You don't have to go to this certain room in the temple or the tabernacle. You don't have to follow a, a cloud by day or a pillar of fire by night. Like You actually have the presence of God dwelling within you. What is that like? Like I think they would ask that of us. Right? And it's, it's, it's crazy to me that, that we have the Spirit of God living and dwelling within us. And so that's why we, we don't have to fear. That, that though Jesus is gone, and right now he's seated at, at the, seated? He's <laughs> sitting. <laughs> right now he's children. That is not proper grammar. Uh, right now he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for all those who he died to save. Right? The good news is even though he's not with us, physically he is with us in the, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we do not have to fear because the Spirit has come and the Spirit is here with us, with God's people even now. All right, so that's your second point. You're going to stand and we're going to sing together again, all right? You guys are getting your workout in this morning, all right? Let's sing together. You've almost made it. We're almost there. Kids, hang in there. It's a little bit longer, all right? Um, maybe the kids in the room, you can relate to this. This is my, uh, my story as a child. I can remember the day after Christmas uh, feeling like this really low-grade sense of letdown, right? Because that meant uh, that I still had to wait another 365 days for Christmas again, right? So sorry to put, sorry to let you down this morning, uh, but, but here's what happened, though. Even though every year as a kid, like that day after Christmas, I'm like, oh, all right, we got to wait again for this. Um, here's the amazing thing is that without fail, to this point in my life, Christmas came again every year, right? That, that excitement and that anticipation leading up to Christmas, like every year it came again, right? After, and, and I don't know how it's like in your home, in my home growing up, uh, we did things the right way, and we didn't put the Christmas tree up until after Thanksgiving. Um, but, but after Thanksgiving, right, that anticipation, all of a sudden, like, Christmas is coming. And, and it, it came every year, right? And so uh, that's kind of where we find ourselves this morning in that sort of, okay, we, we've already celebrated Christmas, and it's behind us, and now we look forward to what uh, is, is to come, and that's kind of, in a grander sense, where we find ourselves this morning, like, in, in God's plan of redemption, right? Jesus has come, and he's fulfilled his purpose. He's been, uh, he lived the perfect life we could not live. Uh, he's been, he was crucified on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins that we could not pay. He's ascended. He's with, uh, we just talked about, he's left. He's with God the Father in heaven right now. And so now we're just, what? We're waiting, we're just waiting for either the day that we go to be with him or he comes to, to take us to be with himself. And that's uh, what I want to direct our attention to real quick. Uh, this is the book of Revelation. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. This is also John. So the same uh, John that wrote the book of John and the letters of John writes, uh, he, he records this vision he receives. And here's what he writes in Revelation, uh, starting in verse 17. John says, Chapter 1, verse 17, sorry. John says this. <clears throat> when I saw him, he's talking about Jesus. Whoops, I don't guess I needed that. 
When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Right, so Jesus was born in a manger. Like I just said, he lived, grew to be a man, lived the perfect life we could not live. He ultimately died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, but then he rose again. Right? And, and according to what we know from the gospel accounts, according to what Jesus himself reveals here uh, in his revelation to John, Jesus is still alive. Like in this moment, Jesus lives. Right? Not here for us to see, but Jesus is alive. And what that means is that there's, there's coming a day when Jesus will come again. Right? That's the third kind of big idea this morning. Fear not, Jesus is coming again. Right? Just as sure as, as Christmas will roll around again next year, unless Jesus comes back before then, just as sure as all those Christmases showed up every year in my childhood and in your childhood, just as sure as that date appeared on the calendar, there's coming a day where Jesus will come. Right? His second advent, his second coming. And, and my hope for us this morning is that we look forward to that day just as much as we look forward to the, the Christmas that comes around every year, right? That we look forward to the day where uh, later on in the book of Revelation, uh, Jesus says that there will be no more uh, waiting, no more suffering, no more pain, no more tears, uh, no more uh, difficulties, no more trials, no more challenges, no more anxieties, no more fears, no more worries, no more doubts. We go on and on and on, right? No more disease that takes our family members that we feel like we fill that void even more this time of year. No more of that. No more storms, disasters, tragedies that, that ravage families and destroy homes and lives. Like there's coming a day where, when Jesus returns and all those things will be no more, right? Because here's what... Uh, the, the good news is when Jesus comes, that the curse of sin will finally be broken once and for all. Right, the promise that God made to Adam way back in Genesis that, that there would come an, uh, an offspring who would crush the head of the serpent. Like the, the serpent's head will be crushed once and for all when Jesus comes again to make all things right. right all the wrong in the world. One day Jesus will come to make it all right. right and, and I... I don't know if you've felt, like we just know that all things are not as they should be, right? I think the older I get, I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I just feel like for all the good things in life, it's, there's just still more. And that, that what's in our souls, that restlessness, that anxiousness, that anticipation is for the day that Jesus comes makes good on his promise to return and makes all things right again. And so here's what I want to leave you with this morning. We'll stand and sing one more song. Um, you don't have to turn here if you don't want to. This is also in the book of John. But chapter 14, we read from that earlier, but I want to give you these words. This is what Jesus himself said. Uh, he, he, 
There's a word of, of assurance and comfort for his disciples. It's a few verses that, praise God, my dad ingrained in me growing up. This is what Jesus says. Verse, or chapter 14, starting in verse 1, he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. In other words, do not be afraid. Do not fear. Fear not. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, here's his promise. I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Right? That's Jesus' promise. That's why we have no reason to fear. For those of us that have trusted in Jesus, because one day Jesus is coming again to make all things right. All right, would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come to you and uh, we are grateful that... Um, Lord, grateful that we, we have this season to kind of stop and pause and reflect. And we are grateful uh, that we were able to celebrate your, your coming, uh, the birth of Savior. We thank you for that. We thank you for the spirit that, that you've given to us to be with us here now uh, presently. Or that, that your presence is not just a thing of the past or not just a thing that we anticipate in the future, but it's also here and now in in the person of, of the Holy Spirit. And so we praise you and we thank you for that. And the Father, we look forward to the day uh, that, that either, either you will take us to come be with you or you will come again. And Lord, we look forward to that. And I, I pray, Father, that, that, uh, that as we go through life, that we would just go through it with a greater anticipation, expectation for that day. Father, I I pray that if there's someone here this morning that maybe they're not ready for that day. Maybe they've never trusted in you as Savior. I pray that you would prompt their hearts to respond to the, the gift of salvation. I pray that you would prompt their hearts to, to maybe have a conversation to, with, with myself or with a, a trusted family member or friend that, that they know they can turn to and say, what, what does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus? How can I know that? Father, maybe there's children in this room that would want to have that conversation with a parent. Father, I pray that even, even in the craziness of, uh, of this morning and the different format, that, that maybe something that was said would be a seed planted in the hearts of one of these kids, that they would come to know you. And that they would come uh, to grow in anticipation and uh, expectation of the day when, when you will come and make all things right. So, Father, we love you, we praise you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.